Our scripture for today is John 8, 31, 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, BJ. Um, It just... I just never get used to hearing in announcements, too, that, uh, oh, that will be at the Greens Cathedral. <laughs> just, uh, it's just like, gosh, that is true. That's amazing. Um, just in 15 years of ministry or whatever, it just never had people in the church that own their own cathedral. So, uh, so if you haven't been out there, uh, if you're a guy, you really don't have a great opportunity in the near future, except you could just hang out with Amos and just say, show me your cathedral. But uh, for the women's bunko night, that would, uh, I mean, the people are definitely the people to show up for is to, for the ladies to really form a, a sisterhood. But then uh, to see their place is really, really cool. So we are in the book of John. And man, I, I just hope that that doesn't get old for us of like, oh, we're in the book of John again, um, because we're walking through this book. And, you know, the way I kind of think of it, too, is, is Lord willing, I hope the Lord lets us walk through books of the Bible for decades. And not just we go through the book, but the book goes through us. And I don't anticipate we'll go through the book of John again in the next 10 years, probably, because there's 66 books. And to say, well, let's do John again, we'd be like, well, uh, let's do some books we haven't done before. So, like, even the verse, like, there will be times that probably the verses we're covering will come up uh, in other parts of the Bible where we're at. But to truly say, like, this is a moment in time where we are doing a deep dive into the book of John, and each week is... uh, is amazing. I mean, it's not like, it's like, well, there'll probably be some weeks that'll just kind of be really ho-hum. And, uh, you know, the power of the Word of God is that He has designed His Word not just to be these random verses that just kind of like this verse, this verse, this verse, but He is actually walking us through an argument. And we, we've been told in the book that we are, we are told these things so we would believe, there's an actual objective in this book is Jesus is making his case to us that we would believe. And uh, man, when I, when I first, I grew up in this area, didn't know really what I thought about Jesus, didn't know really what I thought about God. I wouldn't have told you I was an atheist, but Jesus definitely didn't have my life. He didn't have my heart. Uh, he wasn't calling the shots. And uh, in college, I was on the rugby team at the University of Northern Iowa, and the Lord used that experience to let me know he was real, let me know that he was pursuing me, let me know he saw everything in my life, and he had a better way for me to live, and was inviting me to give my life to him. And in 1997, I did. And thankfully, one of the things that the Lord used early on in my life was online sermons, So the Netscape Navigator had come out in 1996, so by 1997, the internet was really new, 
And I was so enthralled with it. It was just, uh, blew my, I, I ended up becoming a computer programmer for five years because I was just like, I'm all in with this computer thing. It's, it's incredible. And one of the things, though, that, that I was glad is that early on, people were posting sermons online. Like even in 1997, 1998, sermons were being, being posted online. And I was just like, I've never heard any of this. Where, where's this coming from? And sermons were just, the Lord directed me to a bunch of stuff. And uh, there was a particular compilation of sermons that were, was even set to music. And it was like this super long thing. And it, I even looked, it's still online. It's called the Revival Hymn. And it's on a website called Sermon Index. And I was like, wow, that's where I accessed it in the 90s, and it's still there. But I just listen. I bet you I've listened to this thing over 100 times. I mean, I word for word uh, had it memorized and all that stuff. But one of the things that it challenged me with was, am I following Jesus for me, or am I following him for him? Like, like what is the motive of my relationship with him. And it made me think of if, if someone says like, hey, tell me about your marriage with Patty. And I'm like, oh man, it's awesome. She lets me do whatever I want. And she feeds me meals that I like. And uh, when I'm around her, I feel good about myself. And, and, um, and man, I, I just, I really enjoy our marriage. You know, I think you'd be like, kind of feels creepy because all that you talked about was you. And it kind of feels like you're using her for you. But if instead of that, I say, you know what, I love my wife and she's the person that I hope to be with every day until the Lord takes us home. And... Um, we're best friends, and I want to serve her, and I, I want to see her be all that God's made her to be, and when I'm with her, I feel like I'm home. When, I, when I'm with her, I feel like I'm at, I'm at home, and I trust her, and, uh, you know, like, talking that way is totally different than just being like, you know, I love that she allows me to be in my man cave and brings me food or something, you know, like, that's just a very different way to look about the relationship. And so in this sermon, Paris Reedhead is a, most of these pastors have passed away a long time ago, uh, but Paris Reedhead gave this illustration of, uh, that is just stuck with me for 20 years now. He gave this illustration where he talked about giving your life to Jesus, like Jesus taking the wheel. This is way before the country music song was written, you know, but, but he talked about it like Jesus taking the wheel of your life. And one of the things he talked about, though, was how when Jesus takes the wheel, well, Jesus could be in the passenger seat, and you're still in the driver's seat. He took the wheel, but you've still got your foot on the gas. You've got access to the brake. You could grab the wheel pretty easy if it starts not going in the direction that you want it to go. And so, so even Jesus taking the wheel, if you're still in the passenger seat, is, is not great, right? Because you're still really in control. So that won't do. So what's better is if you're in the passenger seat of your life and Jesus is, is in the driver's seat. 
And, and Jesus has got the gas and the brake and, you know, he's steering. But the challenge with if you're in the passenger seat and Jesus is in the driver's seat is it's pretty easy to do this. And, you know, like, whoa, let's be reasonable here. I thought you were going to go that way. We all know we should go this way. You know, like, it's very easy to do that. And so, so then Paris Reed had talked about, like, well, an option then is to just get in the back seat. Like, you're in the back seat. Jesus is in the front seat. Jesus has the wheel, and, and he's driving, you know. But even then, in times of desperation, you could quickly find a way to get to the, to the wheel and take it back, take back control. So uh, Paris Reedhead wraps up this illustration saying, uh, this word for word, I love how he says this. He says, you know what you got to do? You got to get out of the car, take the keys around, open the trunk lid, hand the keys to the Lord Jesus, get inside the trunk, slam the lid down, whisper through the keyhole, Lord, look, you fill it up with anything you want, and you drive. It's up to you from now on. And I just, and he says it in like a British accent and all that stuff, but, but you know, like that's just struck me in like his control of my life versus my control of my life with him. And um, you know, am I coming to Jesus on his terms or am I coming to Jesus on my terms? And where we're at in John chapter 8 today, today, I feel like just speaks right to this. And man, my challenge, I think, that the Lord has for us, I think like the opportunity that I, I just pray like in a fresh way, because like I've, this is the first time I've walked with Jesus as like, you know, you could list the scenario of a 43-year-old man, like, with this situation and these kids and these kids here and stuff. Like, it, life feels like it's always kind of new because we find ourselves in new places. And in a fresh way to look at through John 8, am I coming to Jesus on his terms or am I coming to Jesus on my terms and why does it matter, basically? So, so man, with lives that are ready to hear from him, to dive into uh, his word, uh, we're in verse 31 of John chapter 8, and we've got some Bibles over here, and man, feel free to take one if you don't have a Bible. Take one if you have a Bible. Maybe it's like a family heirloom, and you feel like it'd be wrong to write inside of it or something. Take that and make that be your, like, note Bible, where you're like, oh gosh, you know, because the Lord might reveal things to you right now that come Thursday morning might feel a little foggy. And uh, to write it down and to come back to John 8 and to see it with clarity. Um, I date stuff in my Bible sometimes like, oh, man, I'm trusting you right here, right now on this day. Um, and then we have scripture journals, too, which is just the book of John. Every other page is blank. So you can really take notes. You can take that scripture journal to a community group as we talk through scripture and everything. So John 8 verse 31 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So don't miss at the beginning of verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed him? So if you remember last week, verse 30 ends 
by people who had been resisting Jesus, it says they're now believing Jesus in verse 30. So Jesus is responding to them, and Jesus knows their hearts. So I think that's sometimes why Jesus responds in a way that's just like, whoa, I didn't think, I thought at the end of verse 30, you'd be like, man, good job. But he knows their hearts, and he knows where their hearts are leading them, and so he wants from just jump, he wants them to be in step with him. And sometimes people will say, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm believing Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. But then it seems like it's on their terms with their preconceived ideas of what that relationship's going to look like, their preconceived ideas of who Jesus is, and be like, okay, here we go. Like, get in line, Jesus, and let's go. You're with me now. You know, you're my co-pilot or something like that. And Jesus, out of love for them, is not letting them go there. And out of love for them, what Jesus is saying is, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, that word abide, like, I pretty much never use that word, and you probably don't usually use that word either. We can kind of know what that word means, but... um, I just looked up, like, there's dictionaries that it's like, hey, this is all the ways that that Greek word is used throughout the New Testament. This is how it's used by Plato. This is how it's used in the ancient world and all that stuff. So you can start getting, like, a a more robust picture of how a certain word is used. And that word abide really carries a sense of, like, remaining in. Like, if you remain in my word, if you persist in my word, if you stay in my word, if you continue to live in my word. So the, the words of Jesus are not meant to be words that just start our relationship with him. You know, it's like, hey, really grateful for John 3.16, other verses like that. It, they introduced me to Jesus and now we're good. That, that's not how he has designed us to flourish. That's not how he's designed our relationship to work. Um, you know that, that saying, like, you can take my word for it? You know, if you're talking to somebody, you can just be like, hey, you can take my word for it. And you say that in, like, a really serious way. And you're kind of like, okay, I'll take your word for it. I'm, I'm trusting your words. And this is how Jesus is using this, is like that we would have a life where we can take his word for it, where we can learn from him where we can truly be his disciples, where we can be taught what he needs for us to know and be transformed in the ways that he wants for us to be transformed. As we abide in this life with him, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So look at the destination of abiding in him. The destination of abiding in him is that we would be set free. And just as Jesus is saying this, the people he's talking to are like, somebody grab the wheel, quick. Grab the wheel, somebody. He just said something he doesn't mean to say. Jesus just steered in the wrong direction. Somebody grab the wheel. And they, they've decided that Jesus certainly didn't mean what he just said. He certainly didn't mean 
you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because if Jesus said that, that would mean that they are not free. And they are personally offended that Jesus just told them that they need to be set free. Their terms is we're believing in Jesus and we're free. We were free before Jesus and freedom plus Jesus must be better than what freedom minus Jesus. So they're like, we're free um, and we have Jesus. Surely Jesus didn't mean to say the truth will set you free. They take the wheel back in verse 33. Here's what they say in taking the wheel back. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone which is kind of weird for them to say that because they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt and the Roman Empire kind of had them enslaved as well. So for them to say, we've never been enslaved by anyone, most people believe that they would just be too foolish to make that statement. And because they're referencing Abraham, they're talking purely about spiritual freedom. So they're just saying, we have from birth been spiritually free. The blood of Abraham flows through my veins, so I am as free as a free bird, you know. So they said, we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? They tell Jesus that he's wrong, and they don't need to be set free. They don't need the truth to set them free because they're not enslaved. They're good. They're, they're, they have a pedigree that allows them to step right into heaven is what they think. Jesus doesn't have to speak so extreme. Jesus doesn't have to be so extreme. He can back off. They're fine. They like Jesus. They think Jesus is good until he tries to teach them anything. They think Jesus is good until he is trying to correct a fundamental view that they have of themselves. Once Jesus goes there, they don't like him going there because they have their picture of the way things are, the way their relationship with God is. And man, this, I feel like this brings us to a question that is just Jesus would ask us and I think is sobering for us. And it's not meant to be heavy or accusatory. It's meant to just be like a, Hey, when we're encountering the Word of God, we want to bring our honest lives before Him. And I think an honest question for us is, do we relate with Jesus on His terms or our terms? Like, are we poised and ready to be taught by Him? And to say, like, I need to know. (laughs) I want to know. Like, you might say things that go against the very core of what I've been taught my entire life. And, okay, thank you. Thank you for telling me these things. You know, uh, that can be the posture of our heart. Jesus, open my eyes. Jesus, teach me your ways. Rescue me. Redeem me. Rewire me. Rewire my mind. Rewire my heart. Rewire the things in me that were not true my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I want to love you with all these things, so teach me your ways. Relating to Jesus on those terms, man, like that is, that can transform our community, our lives, our families, 
to approach Jesus on his terms, not on our terms, not on all of our preconceived understandings. Jesus responds to them, to those who are saying that they don't need to be set free with just total clarity. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I mean, for what they just said about Abraham, I mean, Jesus cannot correct them more clearly. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. There is no person who is able to dabble in sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. To the people who thought that their religious pedigree made them good for heaven, immune to need any sort of rescue, Jesus is clear. He speaks clearly because he's not playing games. The stakes are too high for this. I think his words are jarring because people didn't think they needed such extreme teaching from Jesus. You know, maybe Jesus could have just said like, oh, you've got some boo-boos that need a little Band-Aid based on some little sin that you do. You know, like he, he could have said that and been like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for your boo-boo Band-Aid, you know. Like, but when it relates to our soul, he's like, everyone is a slave to sin. Everyone. He lets us know that all people are slaves in the way that, that the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. That in the way that you were slaves in Egypt and had to have God raise up a rescuer to deliver you, this is the same way that we are living. Sin has enslaved us. We can try to escape it. We can try to surround ourselves with people who say we're fine. Maybe we can try and get it good enough to be free. There's only one thing, however, that can free someone from being a slave to sin. I mean, this is so, it's so simple, so powerful. You know, Jesus in just four verses or so communicates things that could change, change everything for all of us. There's only one thing that can free someone from becoming a slave to sin and is by abiding in Jesus, by walking with him, by persisting in his truth that we are set free. And here's a, a crazy point that just, it's like, how clear can we talk about this? And slaves to sin are only freed by willfully being slaves of Jesus. So the only way you can be set free from being a slave of sin is not by being like, well, I've decided to change my behavior. And you're like, hey, I, you know, I'm assuming you're a slave to sin. How are you doing with that? Oh, man, I'm listening to some good audiobooks, got some podcasts, got all these things going, and I'm making better decisions now in my life. And it's like, you are still a slave to sin if the way of being free is not, like the only way to be free is to say, I'm a slave of Jesus now. My, my slavery has changed from being a slave to sin to now being a slave of Jesus. And that's the only thing to be like, yes! <laughs> like, that is not just like, oh, that's the right Christian answer. No, Jesus would say like, that is a correct view of reality. That is a correct view of the world. 
is that that is how we are set free. Uh, even in 1 Peter 2.16, um, this word slave is used, even though in the ESV it's translated servant here, just a little nuance. But 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And Like sin, what are we talking about? Sin is any thought, word, action, inaction against the perfect design of God. And so, and when we become slaves of Jesus by giving our lives to him, servants of God, a doulos of Iesu Christos is how it's written. Like we are slaves of Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't mean that now we never sin. Uh, we will until we're brought safely home. And that will be a, just a joy of heaven is like, man, sin is gone. We still sin, but, but the power to free us and the reality that because I'm a slave of Jesus, I'm no longer a slave to sin. He is now transforming us and teaching us a new way to be, rewiring us, reforming our lives. So we're, we are at our best, not when we try and take the wheel back from Jesus saying these things to us, we're at our best when, when we're saying, Lord, I desire to be a slave to you and not a slave to sin. Rescue me today. I'm yours. Drive my life. Empower my life. Control my mind. Control my heart. Control my strength. Rescue me. Make me a man of integrity, building a world of nobility because you own my life. I know it will make my life most meaningful. I'm yours. And that is stepping into being a servant of him and not the default of being a servant to sin and resisting him and resisting his ways and his teaching. The last two verses that we're going to focus on today, uh, this conversation is going to be, go we're going to ride this conversation for, for two more weeks as well as just super powerful Things keep, keep coming out that Jesus is instructing us into. But verses 35 and 36 will be, will, will be where we're sent out with. Jesus says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I love that Jesus said these two words or these two sentences because I feel like you could maybe be like, oh gosh, I got to try really hard to be a slave of Jesus. I got to, I hope I can keep abiding in him. I, I hope I don't stop abiding in him. Um, I, I want to continue in his word. I, I want to persist in that. Um, I hope I'm strong enough to do that. And what I love here is Jesus is letting us know that he is the son. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. Most people believe that means like he is the source. He's the first. He is the son of man. He's the son of God. He's not a slave who has gotten free and is now letting us know how to get free. He is the eternal son of God. King of heaven. Forever the source of life. The son remains forever. The son can never be removed from the house of God. 
Okay? And with that, he says, when I set you free, you will be free indeed. Not like, you might be free indeed if you don't mess up. When the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When you take His yoke on you, when you look to Him to rescue you, from being a slave to sin to being a slave of Him, He's your master, He's your Lord, you will be free indeed. This is a point not to miss, is the Son of God frees us and He keeps us free. The Son of God frees us and He keeps us free. These realities were prophesied of Jesus for centuries before. So over 400 years before Jesus came, or 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah 61.1 was written about Jesus and about this being a role that Jesus would do. Uh, Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And if you remember, this is one of the first things that Jesus quoted when he began his ministry. And after he quoted them, this, they tried to run him off a cliff and kill him. And he slipped away because his time had not yet come. And he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Isn't that amazing picturing that? He's proclaiming liberty to the captives. Freedom! He's proclaiming freedom to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And man, I just think a question for us is like, where are you at with him? Are you disagreeing with him? And that's okay. Like Jesus doesn't just walk away from these people who are disagreeing with him. He doesn't because he's there for them. He loves them. He's inviting them to find their life in him. And so if you're disagreeing with him, just know like he can totally take it. And he, I, th- I think disagreement sometimes is actually good because it's at, at least like disagreement is way better than somebody just being like, I don't care. Apathy is far worse than disagreement. Disagreement is at, actually you're, you're, you're processing this. You're, you're seeking to, to, to really consider these things. And, um, and it's okay. Like your resistance doesn't push him away. Your resistance doesn't push him away, but your resistance can push you away. And it can push you further into being a slave of sin. And so, man, my encouragement, if you feel like you're, you're giving him the stiff arm, is just to really maybe not focus on your arm, but focus on him. <laughs> Let him be your focus. And, and maybe really, like, Look him in the eyes as, as, as much as you can uh, with your heart, with your mind, in prayer to him, and just say, like, man, is this true? Are these words true? Are you wanting to set me free? Am I really enslaved? Because as my mom said when she was in her 40s and gave her life to Jesus was, was, like, I didn't know I was blind until I started seeing. And it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus, I was like, oh, my gosh, no idea. No idea what I was missing. And it might be saying, am I really a slave to sin? Lord, would you show me? Do you want to set me free? And he has shared with us in, in his word, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to give money. Uh, you, don't, all, you don't have to read through the entire Bible. 
All you have to do is say, I'm yours. Uh, My life is in your hands. I want to be a slave of you. I don't want to be a slave to sin. Um, I'm giving my life to you on your terms. And you can do that out loud. You can just communicate that. Uh, Not out loud. Just say, rescue me. I want to know you like those around. Uh, That's how I came to Jesus. I was feeling the weight of my sin, and I wanted to know Jesus the way that I could tell people around me were knowing him. And and the best way to do that was to know him (laughs) and to give my life to him and to to be set free and to start being his disciple, to start letting him teach me. Um, And man, would you come to him today? And every one of us this morning... um, Man, we might find we've got a grip on the steering wheel. <laughs> and it's like, are we get, we're white-knuckling it over here, you know, or, or some way, some new situation. Maybe it's, it's our pain, physical pain, financial pain, emotional pain. Um, maybe it's our longings that are making us grab the wheel. It's our dreams, um, dreams not being fulfilled. Maybe success is having us be like, man, I think I'm really doing a good job. Maybe I should take over some of this area and, and kind of tell Jesus the way that I want my life to look. And man, would we open our hands to Jesus this morning with saying to him, my greatest hope, my greatest dream is abiding in you. Like, like that's what I want more than anything the world could give me is I want to abide in you. I want to persist as your disciple, living out your agenda for my life, not my agenda for my life. And man, that, that is a light to our community. That is a person that is dangerous as it relates to, to Satan. And uh, I remember being with a group of, uh, Patty was meeting with some ladies, and man, they were talking about being all in for Jesus. And I walked by and I was like, wow, like Satan has to be freaked out by this meeting right now because these are people saying, I am all in. I want to be all in. I want to stay all in. Let's encourage each other that way. And they've taken their eyes off everything except for Jesus, which allows us to interact with everything else in a healthy way. Man, a light to our kids, that would be a light to those who feel that they're trapped in darkness. They know that they're slaves to sin and can't get out of that hamster wheel. Seeing us be set free from that. Maybe them even asking, how do you do that? How are you set free? And it's like, I'm learning from him. Give your life to him too and we can learn together and walk with him together. Um, Because whoever the son sets free is free indeed. And I, th- I think like communion is such a natural response for us because to hear this and to leave wanting to try harder and to really show him I can keep abiding in him is, is not us moving towards Jesus. It's us moving to our willpower. But where we receive power, where we receive true change is us moving to him abiding in him, communing with him. So Jesus designed communion for us to commune with him. And he said, I know I'm not with you in person. My power is here. My presence is here. We will be with each other in person at the wedding feast of the Lamb, then on into eternity. And I will take this with you then. Until then, 
do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me, in communion with me. And I think a, a great way for us to step into communion is to search our heart, ask the Lord to search our hearts, to, man, show me the areas that I'm grabbing on the wheel, trying to correct the direction that you have for me. Maybe you're teaching me something that I don't want to hear. Would you give me ears to hear it? Um, you'll spend some time with him there. Uh, then uh, the Joneses will be serving us communion. And the way that we do that is we'll just kind of come down the center aisle, uh, then hold out your hands, and, and they'll tear off bread, or we have uh, gluten-free crackers, if that would be a, a blessing to you. Uh, then they'll just say, the body of Jesus, Jesus given for you. They'll say that to each of us because he did that for each of us. And then take wine or juice, obey your conscience there. And then the way we'll do it is we'll just keep the elements, we'll remain standing, and then we'll take it together as family. And, and I do encourage anybody that if you're like, you know what, um, I don't think I am there with Jesus, instead of just being like, well, I'm going to come take communion because I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to talk about me or anything like that. Man, I would just encourage us, like, let's just kind of let everybody else fade away and just truly be honest with God. And maybe what you need to do is not take communion, but really meet with God and, and possibly give your life to him. I would love to talk with you about that as well. But let's all respond and uh, come to him.